0: Welcome to the Professional Technical Interviewee. I'm Taylor Dorsett. In my six year career in technical recruiting, I realized that just about every company does technical interviews differently. Many very good senior engineers do not do well in technical interviews, despite being great developers. The only way to get better at interviewing is to practice. Many early career engineers don't really know what a technical interview is like until they're in their first one. Our goal here is to change that and shed some light on the technical interview. My guest today is Mike Bosch. He has an impressive resume, including Google, Uptake, and ServiceNow. He's currently the VP of Engineering at Torch, and he's hiring. I hope you enjoy this episode. Mike, welcome to the to the show. Uh, my guest today is Mike Bosch, currently VP of Engineering at Torch. Uh, before that, was uh, you know, senior manager at ServiceNow, um, also an alumni of UpTake and Google, and then a whole slew of startups before that in the the Bay Area. How are you?
1: Doing Good, thanks. How, how's your day going?
0: Good, uh, it's classic Friday software development, right? So, <laughs> uh, we had a fire that was able to put out. Hopefully, nothing explodes by the end of the day, right? <laughs> well, at least it's not on a Saturday, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Well, can you share a little bit about your, your current role and kind of uh, the company Torch right now?
1: Yeah, um, so I've been at Torch for about six months, um, it's a uh, really early stage startup We're we're seed round at this point. Um, and we're in the logistics space. we're basically um, uh, a 3PL broker, digital broker um, and we're trying to um, go after a problem that a lot of brokerages don't tend to tackle which is the shorter freight the shorter hauls. Um, and you know this we see this as a lar- large scale or largely a data and an integ- data integration type of problem.
0: Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um I we worked together, obviously. Um, when I was in recruiting um and getting you connected to to Torch, it's kind of an interesting space that a lot of people don't think about. It's definitely one of those um, you know, unsexy problems and very Chicago uh to be like freight and freight tech focused. But I think a space that is really rife for innovation, especially in the the data space, is just there's so much that can be done. And I think, you know, Torch is an example of what will be done over the next five to 10 years that will just blow people's minds when they realize like, Oh, we are still doing things, you know, faxing over term sheets or something for all these loads or something like that, that can be automated completely. Right.
1: Oh yeah. We get some crazy stuff. We'll get emails with screenshots of spreadsheets, like with capacity. Um, yeah. EDI is still big in this space. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, I'll, I'll call it old school tech, but you know it's still relevant It still works. But yeah, it's not something you you typically see on a day to day basis
0: normally. Sure. And then what what is what is your role specifically? And then kind of the team. I know you seems like you're building out the team now.
1: Yeah. So I'm still technically the only engineer here. Um, Where where's it? There's a uh, seven of us now. Most of it's on the the actual uh, freight ops side. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of hopefully crossing my fingers. Um, having our first data scientists come on board, uh, pretty soon. Um, you know, that was the one area where I don't have as much background in, so I wanted to get that in the door. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to be, we're starting to hire now back end or full stack engineers. Um, it's a little easier to be flexible in the beginning. You know, it's like, I, I can use a lot of different things. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll figure it out, you know, as we go.
0: Yeah. And Java tech stack.
1: Yeah, we're JVM. Um, and, uh, I'm I'm looking at expanding and expanding that to Kotlin um, possibly as well for backend and then, you know, Postgres and uh, for backend to, for the database right now and uh, react on our on the front end.
0: Nice. Um, I'm curious on the, the technical interview side of things. I know I'm trying to remember it, it wasn't a super complicated technical interview joining Torch. And if I remember correctly, you weren't like actively looking, right? Um, so have you done technical interviews? Uh, Recently, and I know obviously you've done a lot um, of interviewing yourself, right? Interviewing candidates.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, not really. Like it's been. I mean, it would have been actually the, the when I went to ServiceNow and I interviewed at a couple other companies at the same time. That was so that was almost two and a half years ago, probably. So yeah, um, I haven't been doing them. Yeah, I haven't been doing them myself for a while.
0: But interviewing lots of people at, it seems like ServiceNow quite a bit, um, and then also at Torch.
1: Yeah, yeah. ServiceNow, um, a lot of intern candidates, a lot of newer grads, as well as just general senior folks for, for the persistence group I was in. Um, we were expanding pretty a lot there. So like, um, I I was probably averaging two or three interviews a week then.
0: Oh, wow. And if I remember, I think you said your time at Google, you did... What, over a hundred interviews while you were there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah. I was and then I also um I taught interviewing there as well. So I, basically you had to to be an interviewer at Google, you had to go through interviewer training and then you had to go through like shadowing and all. They had a pretty uh documented process for how you became a certified interviewer.
0: Interesting. Very different than I'm sure some startups you worked in the past, which is <laughs> yeah. oh you're the most senior person, your job now, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i mean it's uh i'm the only one interviewed right now so very different than you know uh, you know i'm basically the interview coordinator the interviewer and, and, you know uh, that'll change but uh but it's all good
0: yeah cool uh, well what are you typically evaluating for when you're looking for someone for your team
1: um you know i i look a lot at culture fit um or and i it's kind of in some ways it can be a dirty word too, sometimes because, you know, but it's, it's really like, is it finding, it's, it's looking for somebody that's going to fit in well with the team that is, um, you know, it's going to be a net positive on the team that people want to work with. It's not going to uh, create unnecessary, oh, what's the right word? <laughs> um, drama, I guess, you know. I, sure. I've had teams in the past where I've had to, to make structural changes because of that. And, and every successful team I've worked with has been um you know we've had that what they called once the at google the, the guy that used to run hr there um uh Laszlo, i forget his last name but uh one of the, the studies that his group had come out with was like one of the more successful traits of teams of where they had the team members felt they had psychological safety And it was oh, the ability to bring up ideas and not feel like they were going to be attacked for them or, or ridiculed or, or whatnot and so um you know when that came out and I look back at some of the teams I've managed or been on and those were the most successful ones we you know were that there didn't have that fear if you bought up an idea and so I, 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 look, I, I screen a lot for those kinds of traits
0: um, yeah
1: I also look for um, problem solving you know like how do they approach a problem um, do they do they scope it properly do they um, you know do they break it down in somewhat of a systematic way um mm-hmm. And, and so forth um, and I tried to also evaluate how they deal with incomplete information we hard we rarely get complete information on the problem we're solving you know are they good at flushing that out and then and then there's technical skills too but but uh, if they don't have those other traits you know I don't think they'll necessarily be a net positive on the team so mm-hmm. kind of screen that way first
0: yeah it's interesting because I think when folks are preparing for interviews, like it's, I got to cram for, you know, different types of questions. I got to make sure I can answer X, Y, and Z. But often it's, that's the stuff that can usually be taught on the job, right? Is like, you don't have to have all of that coming in the door, but it's, can you actually fit in well with this team, right? Certainly you have to hit a certain bar from a technical <coughs> perspective, but the culture fit, it does seem like um, more and more important. And I don't know, different than the days of old where if you were a good programmer, it didn't matter <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Seems I like that's,
1: that's changed. Yeah, I mean software has changed a lot. I mean, I've been at this longer than I probably want to say on camera, but um, you know, it's um it, it definitely used to be much more like if if you can code, we'll get you in the door. And, and personalities weren't um, didn't really matter as much, I guess. And it's hard to say, but um but yeah, it's it's you know, what we build nowadays is different. We tend to inter we tend to interact with um, people from other teams a lot more neither the business side, if you will, or mm-hmm. users. And so you have to be able to communicate more. And so I think there is more value in those, those soft skills.
0: Yeah. You know, the, um, you said culture fit, uh, is kind of a weird right stigma or whatever around it. I like the term culture ad because I think that's like every addition to the team, like obviously you want them to fit in well, but also they're bringing, you know, a certain aspect of themselves to it. Uh, and I think that, that kind of culminates whenever I was building teams in the past, what I was trying to do was, yes, I want this person to fit in so they don't feel isolated, but what are they also bringing to the table during this, which is always a, a factor, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely, and, and I'm, I, I like to try to figure out like what my team is missing. Like, when, I'm, when I'm interviewing for people, like, is there a certain like trait that's missing? Like, do we need a strong, like you don't want everybody that always like is agreeable. You want, you want people that know how to challenge an idea or ask it ask good, good, tough questions. And look, if you're missing that, you want to try uh, to maybe find that team person. Um, if you have too many of those, maybe you don't want another one of those people. Um, you know, it, it can be tricky. Um, uh, you know, and I don't try to over optimize. I mean, I do my best not to try to over optimize for that, but you know, it's, um, I, I, I do think teams that have different viewpoints and, and find something that brings a different viewpoint. Maybe it's their background of where they work, the domain or something. Like I find that really interesting too, because um, maybe we're not in finance, but they have some finance background, like the perspective of what they had to optimize for can be a really nice value add if the rest of the team doesn't have that. So that
0: yeah. I'm curious, have you seen an uptick I mean, probably in the last five years, certainly at service now and probably even uptake, um, you interact with more like career changer, bootcamp graduate type folks than maybe, you know, in years past, when you were interviewing, did you find it was easier to to maybe see a variance in, in backgrounds, or has it been similar throughout your career?
1: That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I uh, when you when you said that, I kind of immediately thought about one of the, the folks that I had on my team in service now, who came from a boot camp background, and we had a few others, and most of them though were were younger folks that. Had maybe graduated from college or maybe didn't, and um, now that I think about it, and uh, but they hadn't like found their footing like career-wise, yet. Mm-hmm. and the the boot camp was like, well, this looks interesting, and I'll give it a shot. And, and it, for them, it turned out to be a really good choice. And so um, I did see some like interesting degree like backgrounds. But, like, some of them were math, which um, seems like it would translate pretty well, mm-hmm. um, and. I had one that came on with a philosophy degree, um, as well. But I, and I think that one actually translates over pretty well. Um, also, but I've seen people come from like communication backgrounds that you switch. Um, so, um, but yeah, I haven't seen too many people like mid career. Um, I know they're out there cause I've seen, I mean, I've seen profiles, but I haven't, I don't think I've interviewed any.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I, it was surprising to me the number, I guess, surprising me when I first joined the um, coding bootcamp, helping people get their, their first job was the number of people who were very qualified, had like master's degrees in some other area, but then realized, you know, they were five, six years into that career and probably eight years of training into that career and went, Oh, I don't love library management or whatever it is. right? <laughs> uh, and also, you know, I'm never going to make more than 65 grand a year. Like, is there something else I can do? Uh, and a lot of musicians, a lot of teachers, I think were in the same boat. we like, I love this thing, but maybe I don't have to make money from it. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's also tough if they're, if they're invested in a career already. And you know, they, I mean, and maybe depending on what they're coming from, they may not have to take a cut, you know, but if they start, but um, but yeah, I mean, they may be going to pay off as well, just making that shift too. Um, sure. but, uh, but I think, you know, that comes up sometimes as well, depending on what they're coming from. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I would have no So I mean, I would, I'm basically be assessing them for, for what they bring to the table. But some of those other skills and other viewpoints can be valuable. So.
0: Totally. Do you, do you have a standardized system when you're doing technicals that you're, you're trying to use or does it change depending on the role and the individual?
1: Um, I mean, there's a little bit of both, I think. Um, there's a relatively standard structure that I tend to use. And normally when I'm in a larger company, it's whatever their structure is, you know, um, uh, you know, here right now, you know, I do a phone screen initially. I, I try to get like a 30-minute call where it's a little bit of both of us understanding what we're each looking for. You know, this is the role we're looking for, and or this is like what we need, you know, someone to come in to do. This is what Torch is doing. This is kind of like our our outlook on things. And then what what's that person looking for? What's important to them? Um, I'm still trying kind to of, I'm, I'm, I'm that one. Like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm necessarily, well, backs like like I can filter people out on that but I mm-hmm. the number of people they tell me no they're not interested is like practically zero and I'm, I'm, that kind of surprises me sometimes I, I, uh, I, I kind of wish that the, I'm like, like how do I make the funnel get smaller on their end as well from their direction you know um, but anyway after that one um, uh, we t- if if both parties want to re- uh, continue then it's usually like a, a 90 minute interviews so mm-hmm. kind of what works well for me right now? It's just I'm the only technical person, you know, to me. Um, and that's usually like work working through a problem. I, I really like to talk to them about a project that they have a large hand in, um, you know, like a, a favorite project typically, um, you know, and then find out what their role was on it um, and then start digging in, asking questions. I like to ask a lot of why questions, like, you know, why did you take that route? Was that your decision? Did you make that decision? Would you have done it differently? it helps kind of flush out a lot of things, um, uh, without getting, you know, with, and gives you know, it lets them kind of talk about themselves too, which also I think helps kind of relax them because ultimately I'm looking for someone who's going to be a great team member, not necessarily somebody who just interviews really well. Sure. So, um, you know, and then, um, after that, typically I'll have them talk to the founder. Um, if I think that they'd be a good fit, because these first few hires are going to be important and you're going to be also interacting with the founder a lot, um, and so they've got to. You know, I want the founder to let you know to meet them, and as well as them to meet the founder, and make sure that they're you know that they also both uh, think a So I'd rather somebody short circuit you know before you get somebody in the door when it's a lot more painful to to separate from either direction. So
0: yeah, absolutely. You know um what well, comes to mind when you say uh, trying to get people almost like to to self filter right if it's the the right role for them or not and certainly that that's more important or maybe more important to make sure that they actually understand the role, right? Um, at a smaller company or growing company, right? Um, what I used to do was basically tell candidates um, that I was interviewing when I was uh, recruiting for my own recruiters back in the day was, you know, I think you could be a good fit and basically lay out all, all kind of what the role and what everything looks like. Um, so if you're interested, like, why don't you give me a call on Friday uh, and we'll talk through the next steps and basically put, put it on them. Um, I don't know if, this is a perfect practice, but it was like an interesting thing to see people who I would say I had 20%, um, who on Friday wouldn't give me a call. And then I'd follow up on Monday and go, Hey, just following up. Um, didn't hear from you just, uh, just to check in. And then probably 20% would say, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm checking out some other company or something like that. It, would, it worked for my purposes. Cause like, if they don't want to mm-hmm. give me a call, then, um, they probably weren't that excited about it. And maybe I gave them an easy out, right? Versus yeah, like, yeah. Um, them yeah. just saying I'm excited.
1: I mean, that's an interesting, uh, approach. I had not really considered that or thought about that, but, uh, I may give it a shot and kind of, uh, see how, uh, see what the signal r- rate on that is. Uh, I mean, I've had some candidates who abruptly kind of like canceled and then, um, I said, okay, well, let me know when you want to reschedule. And, and then they don't, yeah, you know, call back. And I, I figured, yeah, they just, didn't, you know, they, they weren't ready. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a great thing. For them. So I'm like, that's fine. Cause it, you know, it's, I think sometimes it's like, well, like for the candidate, they don't necessarily think it's that much of a time sink for them, and so they'll just continue on, yeah. and and then at the end they'll they'll decline, and like, hey, it kind of waste both of our time. So, um, yeah, I, in some way, that almost, i almost, I try to give the like I try to give the actual the actual cons. Like I don't try to like paint over anything. Yeah. I'm hoping that it's like, wait, hey, you'll see that it's not the right thing for you. If it's not, and you'll just say so. Um, and, uh, some of that's from personal experience. I, you know, I went into a job once where I'd, I thought I'd ask good questions and I get in there and I find out, like, no, I didn't ask the questions or, or like they didn't, they didn't volunteer what they should have volunteered mm-hmm. details about the job. And I was like, Oh, this was a mistake. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> So, so the ones you learn from the most, right? Where you go, okay, well now I got to ask about this. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's that, that was like was the third job in my career, or fourth job. I don't know. It was it was re- still relatively early, in, and uh, yeah, you learn a lot from mistakes. So
0: yeah, it, it's you get different responses, but I usually ask some version of like, what what isn't good? Like, what wouldn't I be interested in um, about this job? And you'd be surprised how honest people are, or if you see them go and like kind of brace <laughs> that they give you a soft answer you're like maybe I should ask the next person I talk to as well and see what types of answers you get. But I'd be curious to keep me informed if that question works for engineers because salespeople I think were more willing to give me a call. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, if engineers that, might in the not back be. In my head,
1: that was part of it too. And and um and, and, and also big you know, engineers are in so much demand right now as well that, you know, it's almost like it you know, they may or may not give you back even though they could be a good fit. So it's yeah like, I don't know. But, but yeah i I'll give it a shot i, I like to, to to experiment and see uh what works
0: yeah, how do you think um, in the past you've done a technical interview as far as your own personal performance
1: um you know, so I think I do really well on well, I'll start with where I do well and where i where I fumble sometimes i think so I tend to do really well like on the the design questions and the um uh what was the other one i was because I was thinking about this I do it was a oh yeah. The, so like troubleshooting designers I tend to be really well on. Um, and that's like the feedback I've gotten in the past as well. Um, from folks like and like I think the where, where I stumbled at times is sometimes the coding moves, and it's more psychological than than anything else. Like my, you know, the the ones where like they didn't want to necessarily proceed is where like I, I just stumbled and kind of got I got I was I became my own worst enemy so okay. um but, but, yeah, so, I, I, so overall, I think I do I mean my track record should be pretty good, it seems like when I look back at it, but
0: yeah it's it's interesting, right, where like sometimes there is a psychological block in interviewing, especially if you're not doing it super regularly, right, a lot mm-hmm. of people you take an interview every six months, maybe once a year, um, unless you're like actively interviewing for something, like you might just have a conversation. And even then you might not have a technical, right? Um, and then all of a sudden you're tossed into one where you're like, oh, I, I could do this if I had, you know, uninterrupted time and could sit down and look at stuff. But under this like weird spotlight, it just becomes oddly stressful, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, those experiences have really led me to re-examine them how to Because like yeah. I said earlier, like I'm I'm really trying to find someone who's going to be a net ad. I, I want somebody who's going to make my team better and just, you know, be a good teammate, not someone to interview interviews well. And so I, I tried to like reexamine that and figure out like, how can I how can I interview where I, I learned that question, what's important for me to look for that helps me answer the question. Yeah. And coding on a whiteboard doesn't necessarily tell me that or um you know, uh, there's take-home problems. and But, uh, you know, I don't want to be too big because I don't want to ask a candidate to spend three or four hours on something. Uh, yeah. I think that's, you know, I don't think that's fair either. I don't think that's the, the right approach. You'll, you'll end up filtering out good candidates probably too or good potential teammates because they don't want to spend three or four hours on a baby. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, you know, and that's why I've kind of I've spent time reexamining like what's a good way to, to filter out. So, like leak code problems and stuff like I don't think are great indicators. It tells me you've seen that kind of problem before, but if you're trying to do that in the real world, you're, you're going to go look, you're going to look up what other people have done. You're going to think about it. You're going to talk it over with people. You're not going to do it on the spot with somebody kind of hovering over you. kind mm, mm, of you know? Um, so, so yeah,
0: yeah. Do you, do you have a system that you've used in the past to to break down like technical interviews because I know you said um you know that was you know when you're at like doing a whiteboarding type problem right um that's something where uh, maybe you're your own worst enemy there and I feel like sometimes people use like maybe I have this approach right and there's lots of different yeah. there's a star method and a whole bunch of different things that people use but do you have anything that you fall back on yeah
1: um you know i, I it's kind of like my troubleshooting framework where is like for a lot of problems and you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's basically like for the first step for me is making sure I understand the problem. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm prone sometimes to zone in on a word or something that I hear like, Oh, that, that, you know, that gives me an idea. And I may not, I may miss a sentence or two, or, or maybe I just, maybe the interviewer flubbed the question, you know, I, I've gotten nervous or just spaced out and asked the question before too. And so, um, I I, I want to make sure that I understand the problem. So I'll kind of repeat back what I heard and make sure that I'm trying to solve the problem um, that they've actually asked me. Um, So like understanding the actual problem. Um, Like if it's a troubleshooting problem, like let's say there's a system outage or something like that. Um, You know, there's the added thing of where I want to find out the scope of the problem too. Mm -hmm. And this can be like a design problem too. Like figuring out like what what are we really designing? Or do they just want me to kind of like take point, in, you know, because that tells them of what I'm interested in, too, like if I focus on the large system design versus some smaller component. Um, and then, um, you know, at that point, I kind of work backwards, figure out what I know, what I don't know, and then start to, to kind of um, work through what I know and then use that to kind of push into the areas that I don't know and try to solve. Them. Um, and then the other things that are that are, I also try to be really conscious of is, is when I do start to to um, like, to either discuss the solution or, or what I think is the solution is kind of say why I, I never want to make it one look like I'm guessing. Um, you know I want to say this is you know I think it's this because of this and that. Um, mm-hmm. you know for one, it, it shows that I'm actually thinking about it, not just guessing, but two that it usually tends to then open up that dialogue for both of us to kind of talk through the problem um, yeah. And, and I find uh, the candidates that, from my end as an interviewer, that I like the best is, is that um, uh, are the ones where I do find that dialogue, because that helps me kind of explore what it's going to be like. To be yeah. So, so I kind of try to do from the other end to find the, the interviewee. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, that's, and that from there, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the framework that I, the, the mental framework, at least.
0: Yeah, that's so I, I think that's something that it's so difficult for a lot of people to do, but also so important is like being able to look at it. Like you're both kind of approaching this problem together rather than a, like, Oh, I have to do this all on my own. And this person's judging me. Right. Like, even if it's just mentally, those are two huge changes. Right. And, and really difficult to do if you don't know the individual <laughs> you're interviewing with. Right. Especially if yeah. they're having a bad day and cranky, right. <laughs> like it could yeah. all be bad contributing factors.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I hope companies don't put Um, interviewers that are particularly cranky in front of candidates, but I mean, cause even, even, folks that might fit into that mode more, even, even those I've seen are generally, but they're not, most people aren't looking to shoot someone down. Anymore, sure. You know? and, and so I, I think if you, if you can find that way to have that dialogue or ask good questions,
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, that, that I think it goes a long way. So.
0: Yeah. Great. Do you have any tips or advice for, for people who are stepping into technical interviews? I mean, obviously that's a good system for, to help people break things down, but any advice? Um,
1: well, I mean, kind of adding on to the previous question, I think, um, you know, don't, when you're asked questions, like always try to support them. Like even before, like I try to support, them really before I like rather, I, I try not to have a like, a Why do you think it's that way? I mean, they're going to ask those questions, but like, I'll be like, well, I think it's this, um, you know, because you know, I think we should transfer things across the network in twenty megabyte chunks because one megabyte seems too small because you'd end up with, you know, you're sending more packets than you need and you can get through a megabyte of data really quickly on the other side, but you know, two hundred megs, it's too much. You know, there's there's lots of reasons, but you can start to. To say why you're thinking something um, mm-hmm. right away, and I think it, it without even them even necessarily thinking about it, they're like, okay, this person's really thinking about the problem. They're not just throwing a number out there or an answer out there. So um, I think that's one one piece of advice. Um, I think the other one is um, come with good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't um, you know, think about what's important to you. Um, and ask those questions. Think of it really as a, as a two-way street with the interviewer. And you'd be surprised. We'll we'll some, you know when we when we uh, when we come back to kind of see what everybody thought. So we'll we'll, we'll talk. A lot of times we'll talk about what questions they asked. Um, oh, interesting. You know. Um, I know. I, I've been in some companies where that never comes up, and other companies yeah. where it comes up a lot. And um, one, you know, but more importantly, you know, you want to find out: Is this a good fit for you? If you're in the engineering field right now, it's a really good place to be look for the company that you think is going to be a good fit and, and know yourself going in, like what's important to you. Um, you know, look back at the jobs you've been, that you've enjoyed or been successful at where, what, how did they differ from places where you were unhappy and, and try to figure yeah. out Um, and then, I mean, those are the two things that kind of pop in, pop to mind first.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, such as a little bit on what you mentioned earlier, right. Where like sometimes it can be, candidates will continue with the process, even if they're not interested. Right. <clears throat> and I do think it's, I think it's being able to be comfortable saying like, Oh, I'm not interested in moving forward. Right. Um, and having an actual reason why, uh, rather than just going, uh, eh, maybe I'm interested in this company. We'll see, um, as we go on, like trying to figure that out as soon as possible. Right? cause interviewing, it takes a lot of time on both sides of the table. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've gotten, you know, that's something I've done more in the last five or 10 years where it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not interested right now. And, uh, it's not a good fit for me.
0: So. Yeah, totally. Uh, great. Would you say you have the same advice for early career engineers or maybe anything different for people who are kind of just starting or just within the first couple of years of their career?
1: You know, I think it's most of the same, although I would emphasize even more on the figure out what good questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's funny. I, I Like I said, I, I've done a lot of intern interviews and early grad interviews. And I kind of start to hear the exact same questions over and over again. And it's like, okay, I can tell you've had a recent class in how to interview. And that said, here, ask me this question like, how would you define success in this role? I mean, you're not going to get a good answer out of that. You're not going to get a useful answer asking that question. Um, you know, think about it from another direction. Like, um, you know, what if you're going to ask a question like that because you're trying to figure out, I'm trying to. I I want to kind of understand the person's motivation. You know, but like, if you're curious if you would be successful there, ask them what successful people have done, or you know, Mm -hmm. what what's some you know what are some of the traits that their their favorite engineers to work with have. If you're going in for an engineering position, you know, like, um, you know, think think about the question. Think about what you want to get. That's all.
0: But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, The way you phrase that almost seems like it's a better idea to ask a question that you're genuinely, you know, something you're genuinely curious about hearing on an engineer's opinion on rather than just, you know, I need this default response from this company, which that may be helpful if you figure out what success looks like at that company. But it's like you said, it's not, it's not really going to impress someone and they're going to go back saying, Oh, they asked, they asked questions, but they were, you know, the same four that everyone asked. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and, the, and you know, I remember after you've heard this so often, you're kind of, uh, like, oh, really, ask me something. And you remember the, I actually remember the ones that asked me good, interesting questions, you know? Um, so it, it helps kind of like me remember you as well. So.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think everything you can do to, to make it more conversational. Right. And like what does success look like in this role? is very unconversed. Like it just doesn't feel like a thing I'd ever ask in real life. Right. Versus I, I think sometimes even, I know if I have an extra couple of minutes in a, in an interview setting, um, I'll just be like, you got any plans this weekend? Something like that could just like open the door to like, oh, this isn't just a candidate who's sitting here; this is this actual human, right? And like, someone you stumble into a conversation where you actually make a meaningful connection with someone instead of just getting the rote responses and then being on your way, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I, I've I've found interesting things out from people asking similar questions. You know, it's it, it's difficult these days because um, you know we're always. So often now, it's um, one of the messages is you know don't ask the question unless it's meaningful to the job, and so um, which I mean I completely agree with that because you know it helps keep people from asking questions that that might be perceived um, as finding a bias or something like that, and, and I think that's I mean that's a good thing that we that we don't ask like bad questions like that, but at the same time it's like also like you said you maybe want to find something that also pulls them out of their shell a little bit too, because they mm-hmm. might be nervous and so forth. So yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I did think about though is when we were just chatting those, um, the uh, some of the other questions that, that, um, that they can ask um, is if they're curious, like, why do you stay, you know, what, what keeps you here? When, when, mm-hmm. when we're in a feel like this, where there's a lot of demand for change, you have a lot of options, a lot of choices. Um, you know, it's why do you stay? What, what what do you enjoy about, about the job? You know, and, and there's not. Um, now I had one company that um, I was leading engineering since for. And we had a really low attrition rate, but we had optimized for um, people that needed a good work life balance. We didn't need mm. to to have people working crazy hours, and so we optimized for that. And 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 so that the answer given when people ask that question was typically, you know, I have a really good work life balance here. That you know, we don't do. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do, um, like crunch time and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and for some people that's great. And other people, they don't care. They, they're more optimized for something else.
0: So, yeah, yeah. I, I asked that question a lot uh, when I was in recruiting, if someone had been there a number of years, I'd say like, Hey, you know, why'd you stick around for so long? Maybe that was more of a recruiter way to ask it. Um, and then if someone had just recently joined with the last couple of years, like, well, what brought you there? Right. And kind of what excites you about that company? I mean. Mm-hmm. You, Especially if someone's been at a company for seven years. I mean, that's one where there's definitely a reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially with the way things are, right? You know, I've been for the last, gosh, I mean, it's been a while since I was really a a dip. Like,
0: yeah. um, dot com era.
1: Yeah. 2000, 2000 was a little, was a, I was in the Bay Area and, um, I, I, I went out there in 2000, and the dip hit in early 2001. I think right, is when mm-hmm. it really and um, yeah, but there was a little bit of it. Yeah, I mean, there was somewhat of a dip in 2008, but you know, relatively speaking, it wasn't bad, especially compared to other things. So.
0: Yeah, I think if you weren't working at a prop trading shop, you were probably doing all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> if
1: you were in the market industry, it was, it was a bad time.
0: Yeah. I always heard, um, in, in recessions or when, you know, there's not as many jobs, that's when engineers go to get their master's degrees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you see a whole lot of people uh, right around that 2000, uh, time when, Oh, they went back to school. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, I, I hadn't actually thought of it from that. I'm going to have to, now I'm going to start looking at master's degrees and see when they got so, so, yeah.
0: look around Chicago, how many DePaul masters <laughs> graduates are <laughs> right around. I see
1: of masters. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Cool. Well, um, you know, before we move on to the technical side, any interviewing horror stories from either side of the table that that you're willing to share? Maybe people can commiserate with.
1: <laughs> so, I haven't had too many where I was the interview. Like, I, I've had like ones that I flunked. Like I said, the like technical coding ones and stuff. Um, trying to remember, like nothing. You know, I, I figure if I had anything that was truly horrible, um, it wouldn't. You know, I definitely from the other end. Um and uh like I've had I've had some candidates who got so, um who got so flustered when they they kind of had those um where where they couldn't figure out an answer to something. I, I've had a few start to cry. Um oh, wow. which like it's, it, it's it's I mean, obviously it's awkward for them. Um yeah. You know and it can be awkward for me, but it's definitely worse on there end if, if they've gotten to that point. So it's, it's, you know, then it becomes more of a let me help you try to, to work through this and and you know, save face, if you will. Um, you know, obviously, it hasn't gotten well if we got to that point, um, sure, but I don't want it to be, a, I don't want them to a leave just a completely horrible. I'm going to try to help them recover a little bit too. Um, I, I've seen that from other candidates as well, um, where I wasn't in your. I've had Canada, had other fellow interviewers, not like yeah, you know, I, I just asked them about like how would they do something, and they started to cry. And so, yeah. um, but I've seen that more recently. Like that was an extremely rare a long time ago, and I'm not sure what's driving that shift. Um, uh, you know, I kind of I, I felt like they, the person who who did it with me was much more, uh, had, they they just felt like they had put a lot of pressure on themselves. I mean, you know, uh. it was it was a well known company. I, I think they probably. I really want to get in. And, and, um, and when it wasn't going well, they just didn't know how to handle it. So, um, but yeah, that's rough. Um, you know, I don't know. In those situations though. It's, uh, nothing necessarily asked, but like, it's like my, my advice to folks if they, they feel that they're that type is they're probably folks that also have testing anxiety. Um, sure. You know, yeah. and, um, uh, cause I know some folks with that, and we've talked about it. Like what, why do you think you have that? Like, you know, I don't necessarily, and it's, I think it's perspective. Cause it's always like, look, there's always more opportunities out there. There's so many, there's so many different places. Don't, don't let one of them, um, you know, don't let one of them affect you that much. But
0: right? Yeah. Totally. I think it's, especially with, with larger companies or well-known companies, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the kind of the emotional aspect too, of like, I'm so excited about this. And you almost start building up this thing in your head of like, I can't wait to work there. And then you can feel it all come crashing down in, in seconds, right? When you realize, oh, this problem isn't going well and it's not going to go well. Right. And like, I understand how that can get, uh, go south pretty quickly. Right. And it's, I think, very unfortunate, but I think some of the best interviewers that I've um, interviewed with in the past, like they can take terrible interviews and then try to take them into teaching moments where they go, Hey, like, I'm happy to like, let's walk through this or let's talk through this. So like you said, at least there's some positive experience from where they go, Oh, okay. Now I think I get how to solve this problem in the future. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually, uh, when it's not going well, like rather than let it be awkward, um, Mm -hmm. I, I do something, something, it's like okay, well, let's let's just let's just walk through what you could have done, and um, you know, and if it's a coding problem, you know, it's like okay, like the one we talked about before the podcast, like you can you can break it down this way. There's another way you can look at it, um, and um, you know, we both kind of know it's not going well, but it, it helps them kind of get through that, and maybe they'll you know maybe they'll be able to take something away from it. It helps yeah. them next time. So I um, mean, learn. A lot of these coding problems, it's based on what you've observed or what you've seen. It's kind of like that, you know, it's your experience. And so maybe that kind of helps them.
0: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take a break and then we come back. Uh, we'll move into the the technical and hopefully I won't cry today.
1: <laughs> sure, sounds good.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app at the Professional Technical Interviewee. I want to thank my guest and my wonderful editor and producer, Dustin Bayes. If you're interested in sharing your technical interview advice and being on the show, please reach out at Taylordev at gmail.com. As a reminder, this interview is two parts. You can find the second half, which is the live technical interview on YouTube at the professional technical interviewee. The link will be in the show notes until next time. Keep practicing.